Hello and welcome to another episode of The Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Pilati, and I am really excited today to have Chris Rudigrap, who is the CEO and co-founder of Sendoso. Chris, thanks so much for joining. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Excited to be on. Yeah, absolutely. And today we're going to dig into a topic that I haven't covered before in this podcast. I've never even really considered as like a growth channel or growth tactic or strategy. And it's all about leveraging your network as a growth channel. So Chris has done a ton of work to build his advisor network and all that for Sendoso in a way that he can leverage it for sales and expansion and connections and all that fun stuff. So I'm excited to dig in. I'll also give a a little quick background. Chris comes from like a sales background and has been co-founder of Sendoso. How long has it been now? Four years, something like that? Yeah, a little about four and a half years. Four and a half years. Yeah, and was in sales about 10 years before that. So Got it. Yeah, so you got sales running through the the veins there and and I'm sure you built your advisor network to, to suit that. So why don't we talk about that first? Like maybe give the context for everybody How's your advisor network set up today? And, and we can dig in from there. Yeah. So I have about 200 advisors right now. Uh, these are kind of official advisors to the company. And the breakdown is, I'd say, probably about 100 of them are kind of our, our ICPs, buyer personas. So they're CROs, CMOs, VPs of sales, VPs of marketing. About 50 of those are customers. And then there is some other kind of longer tail advisors, some product, some in engineering, some in HR. But the majority of them are kind of are targeted towards our, our ICP. Got it. And when you were starting up Sendoso, did you intend to have this like very vast advisor network? Because most of what I've heard, most companies have like five to 10, maybe 15 advisors, but you're in the hundreds there. Was this an intentional thing or just kind of like happen over time? No, it was actually very intentional. So I'd say it goes back to even when I was in college and I started a university recognized club on campus called the Innovation Association. And one of the motivations was really as an excuse to network with other super smart people. And so I found myself getting advisors to that kind of association. And then, you know, even when I was a sales rep, I found myself asking for mentors. And I've always, you know, been fascinated with surrounding yourself by people that are well networked or are smarter than you. And so when I started Sendoso about four and a half years ago, I really wanted to leverage advisors from day one. And so my first advisor was my past CEO at the last company I was at. Um, and you know, with a phone call, he got us into 500 startups like instantly. So that was pretty cool. And then I was like, you know, let's keep building on it. My second advisor, uh, he actually introduced us to a few angels, which put in our first 350K convertible note into the company. So again, that was a much easier pitch coming from a trusted advisor. The third advisor was a VP of sales who made a bunch of intros. Fourth advisor was like one of our first customers. And so I just continued to execute on this advisor strategy thereafter. Have you been bringing people on as waves? Like, so you you talked about the first few. Was it then like, let's do a wave of series A type advisors. Let's do a wave of people that can get us into new deals. Like what was the, or is it just kind of like smart people along the way and you just kind of collect them? I would say it's mostly smart people along the way and I collect them. <laughs> I don't know, putting it like that doesn't sound right, but I find them and we we form mutual valuable relationships. But there is certain scenarios where I did kind of go try to grab a bunch at once. I think one time I worked with our customer advocacy manager and said, hey, what are who are some of our best customers out there? And so then I kind of in a bulk went off met with a p- bunch of our customers. And I do this annual customer roadshow. This year it was virtual. This year I met with about 95 customers. And so as a result of about, about a month and a half of customer meetings, I was able to cherry pick a handful of customers to, to join this. And then really the only other big grab was when there's a, a big initiative that we're, we're thinking about where advisors could be 
better leverage. So for recently, you know, about six months ago, we wanted to focus a little bit more on, on international expansion. And so it was an easy step for me to go out and try to find new advisors who are experts or who are geolocated in regions that would be beneficial to us. And are all of these advisors set up as like equity advisors? Are you giving them all a a cut or some of them equity? Yeah, all of them are equity advisors. So uh, I think that equity is something that can oftentimes be a back burner thought for companies and CEOs where they're using it for employees and for investors, but it's super valuable and something that is just enough extra carrot too at times for people to feel like they're more bought in than just a, a helpful mentor, so to speak. And so you've, you've got, we're, we're not going to use the word collected, you've gathered all of these uh, amazing advisors over the years. What Talk to like the processes that you keep to keep in touch with them. Is it kind of they all sort of exist and you tap them on the shoulder? Or do you send them quarterly newsletters? Like, what does that look like, relationship look like? Yeah, so I'll say about for the first call it three years of this program, it was spreadsheet and mail barges. And that was kind of the gist of it. It wasn't too extremely processized. One amazing thing happened about six months ago is one of our current investors uh, had epiphany that this was an amazing idea to kind of operationalize micro-advisors, so to speak, and actually went out and created some software for me called Cabal. Um, It's getcabal.com. Maybe you can include in the show notes. And that has been game changer, like a hundred times better for me. It helps me manage all of the different advisors. I can tag and group them now, which is a big win. So I can have more specific segments of people to ask for things. It handles all of the the messaging and updates, so I can kind of do you know Mailchimp like email updates and systematically to to all the advisors. Um, it manages all the equity management, so uh, kind of you when I invite somebody, it, it kind of officializes through a advisor document and then makes it easy to work with Carta. And then you know there's reporting in, in it now. There's little widgets that integrate into Salesforce or Lever and other ways that it makes it like just way easier to manage. That's awesome. And so maybe let's talk about, you know, you need to leverage an advisor for something, or maybe your team needs to leverage an advisor for something. Can you talk through how I assume, you know, you'll just go into that platform and you just know their emails and off the top of your head and you'll call them or whatever. But walk us through like how your team can leverage the advisor network that you built. Yeah, so I'd say there's maybe a half dozen different ways that my team is is leveraging, you know, these advisors through Cabal. So one is kind of our go-to-market team. So I'd say our sales, our marketing, our account management, customer success teams. So they are able to go in there and get intros to advisors and, or see who they're connected to through LinkedIn and then ask for advisors that way. So it might be an expansion opportunity. It might be breaking into a new account or it might just be, a, you know, exec level conversation at a current customer where we just want to up-level the conversation. So it makes it really nice as a tool for, it's almost like a a micro LinkedIn, so to speak, in terms of a way that's just a kind of a closed loop way for them to see who are all these advisors. We also leverage these advisors from the, from our go-to-market teams for speaking at you know conferences or, or panels, shout outs, social media mentions, video content. So there's a lot of different ways the go-to-market team's using it. We also find it super helpful for some other ways that I didn't think day one was going to be helpful. So like our product team uses it for kind of like product research and feedback. Our recruiting team uses it 
for for introductions. And then, you know, even our employees use it across the board for career motivation or like learning and development has, you know, maybe someone who's a junior person on our marketing team wants to talk to another CMO and hear and hear that. So I think those are some of the ancillary benefits, but from a growth perspective, having all these advisors in their networks with a few clicks of a button has been tremendous. Is it baked into like the sales rep workflow that it's expected that they'll check that network as part of their, you know, outbounding or research? Yes, I'm glad you mentioned that. I was actually working a couple of weeks ago with our revenue ops team to kind of better processize some of this. And so I would say some of the some of our best reps are using it in process. It's not something that we have as like a step in Salesforce or something where they have to use it. And then the other thing that happens is when a, an opportunity goes from, say, stage one to stage two, I actually get proactive a message saying, hey, here's the account, here's the opportunity, is there advisors that I can work with? So I've to make it more formal for our team, I will spend a little bit more of my effort kind of reminding them, saying, hey, here's like four people I can introduce you to for this opportunity. And so that's been helpful in just terms of ingraining it into their, their process, because I think this is a newer workflow for for sales reps, for account managers. Some people were great at team selling and some people just never really got around to learning that skill. And so I'm trying to be proactive to kind of bake it into their process. But we do track it in Salesforce too now too. So there's like campaigns and so we can see attribution on the advisors and stuff. Okay, I love that because it also tails perfectly into what my next question was going to be, which is, do you look at the advisor network and goal it and measure it? Or is it more just like this amplification layer that just sits across everything? It's a great question. I think that historically it's been this amplification and there's been a lot of benefits I can point to in terms of you know revenue, recruiting, and all these other benefits. I haven't necessarily thought of it as like a channel yet, although our new CMO and as we look at kind of our, our longer term some strategies later this year, we have thought about how do we actually try to track it as, a, as its own channel so that we can see the results over time. And I think the long answer is that's where we're going as we can get more sophisticated and now it's more formalized and, and everyone's on board. I think in the early years, this was Chris's secret network and it was much harder for me to operationalize through a spreadsheet. But now that we have software to help us do it, it's kind of game changer in terms of how we can actually take this from something the CEO does to something the entire company can leverage. And so when you think about, you know, you're getting to the point where the full company is leveraging it, it's built in the process, like, how do you think about the next stages for the network? Is it just keep expanding the advisor network? Do you see a point where there's just like a maxima, a local maxima hit, and you're just 500 is the max value? Or yeah, talk through that. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the max value yet. So far, like advisor 190 has been just as valuable as advisor 20. I think that there'll be certain areas where I'll I'll ask for things. So outside of just access into new accounts or referrals, I think that is, you know, a, a step stairwell. Every new person is going to add more connections. So that that will always benefit when you get to 500 for example. But I think there's outside of the referrals, there's also just 
you know, common challenges and questions as we've scaled from a small company to, you know, almost 450 employees now. And so along that way, like the the European expansion I mentioned, there's a certain subset of advisors that can just be super helpful there. And so I think that there'll be these little pockets of segments where it's like, okay, how should we think about what are these advisors that are better for us during, you know, the series CDE growth of our company and IPO versus the series A growth. And so I do think like employees, certain advisors can chime in at different times and provide different, you know, expertise. So talk me through getting an advisor on board. So you maybe we could use the international expansion as an example. So you're saying, all right, it's a priority for us to think about international. Do you then make a short list of here are the N number of people that we think can be most useful? And then do you just email them and say, hey, we need your help with this. We'll make you an advisor. Like, can you just talk through like the identification of who to the point that they sign on? Yeah. So I'll typically look for, we'll go try to shortlist advisors, but I'll do it through advisor, current advisor connections. So I'm not going to go cold on any advisors. I don't think I've gone, none of our advisors have ever been uh, kind of reached out to advisors cold. But what I have done is really shortlisted, looked at my current advisor's connections and then said, hey, this person looks like a great advisor. Can you help me? Or I'll just flat out have an update to advisors saying, hey, do you know anyone that's solid in XYZ? And then I'll get dozens of responses saying, you got to talk to this person, got to talk to this person. And I'm like, yes. And so advisors are kind of growing the advisor network, so to speak. Yeah, that's awesome, right? It starts to pay exponential dividends, mm-hmm. not only in the network, but then the ability to expand the network. And Exactly. Yeah. So, okay, let's say I'm listening to this episode and I'm thinking, well, that sounds cool. You know, I've got my own startup going. Maybe we're smaller, maybe we're a little bit bigger. Like, is it too late for me to start building this network? Maybe I'm not the CEO and co-founder, so how can I start to leverage the benefits of it or convince my team? Like, can you just talk through a couple, a couple things that people might be thinking as they're listening? Yeah, hundred percent. So I would say it's, you know, it, it could be beneficial to everybody. I was actually t- speaking with one of our CMO, one, a CMO who's one of my advisors at a, like a 800 person company. And she was like, Hey, I'm going to work with my CEO to start this here. And so I think that there is already informal advisors to a lot of companies. There's also investors, angel investors, And so you already have this network of people that are willing to help. It's just oftentimes not operationalized that well. So I would say that there's no reason why a non-CEO listening, a CRO, couldn't think, hey, I'm going to use some... And I think software is kind of the key here. If you have some software, it makes it so much easier to formalize. If I was six months ago saying this, where I'm like, yeah, you take some spreadsheets, you do some mail merges, and you insert first name and this and that, it was much more challenging, but the software has made it 100 times easier. So... With that, I think it makes it so CMOs, CROs, anyone can bring this to the table as a a growth lever. I think there is a component where having the CEO involved is key. So, you know, I don't think an AE can go do this tomorrow on their own with zero effort, especially since there's an equity component in it. But, you know, if if an employee brought this to me, I would be super happy that they had this kind of growth idea. And then for another CEO, CEO or founder getting started... I don't think there's, I bet most of them have at least an investor or an advisor currently, maybe more. And so this is more or less just saying, hey, let's double down on that. And even if you just have six right now, you know, a couple of angels and maybe an investor and a couple of advisors, you could try to formalize that to get more out of it and then just slowly chip away at adding more. And I imagine that 
the thought is running through some people listening right now, which is, is it really worth me giving away all this equity? Like, are my investors going to like that? Like, it's, it's a lot of equity. Like, wh- what's your what's your take on that? My thing is, I think equity is this pretty coveted asset that you have that, you know, has historically only been used for employees and investors. And so this unlocks this new kind of channel of people that are willing to help you for equity. And in some cases, they're not trying to say, hey, I need 5% of your company to be an advisor. Oftentimes, it's a micro amount, but it's nice to like kind of get give. And a lot of advisors I found aren't, you know, in it to make a gazillion dollars on the equity. The equity is kind of ancillary and a nice way to formalize the relationship. But ultimately, there's a lot of successful people out there that are just kind of paying it back and and want to be a part of a growing startup or want to kind of diversify their mental challenges. You know, I think that, you know, a lot of people have their nine to five and if they can have a 5 p.m. to 5.15 where they can think about something else, it could just add to your well-being and your well-roundedness too. So I, I don't advocate for giving away, you know, 50% of your company to advisors. But what we've done early on is we've allocated a certain percent of our company to advisors from day one, and we just chip away at that. Cool. Anything that now that you've built a pretty substantial advisor network, anything that if you were to start over again, you would just do a little bit differently or, or maybe a couple of mishaps along the way that people could look out for? I would think about it as a long-term play. So I think when I thought when I first got started, I actually didn't think I'd have 200 advisors. I thought I'd have a couple dozen. And so I allocated a pretty substantial share of the, the pie to the first couple. And when you're a series A or seed company, you're like, ah, who cares? Like, it's not worth that much. But now those early advisors are billionaires on paper based on this. And so while everything is, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and they were super helpful in getting us to where we, we are, I think the one thing is think big and long-term and think, what if you had 200 advisors? Can you continue to give out that percentage or that amount of equity like to so many people? So. Yeah, makes sense. Anything else on the advisor network stuff that we haven't had a chance to touch on? I think formalizing it is key too. I think that we talked about that, but I think, you know, I talk about it in our all hands. So it's pretty vocal in that we we know that this exists. And I think up front, like I said, the, the goal was more of a growth lever, but there's a lot of byproducts from it. You know, we were doing a, a CMO video series recently and I was able to ping our advisors and get like 15 CMOs to, to create videos like in a minute. So I think that, you know, there's extra benefits that maybe you don't think about. So I think that's one thing. I think it is a little bit of work and effort. So this is not something that you just, it's not like turn it on and then it just goes. So I think, you know, I probably commit maybe 30 minutes a week to this and some weeks more, but it's something that will take a little bit of time to continue to engage and and really develop kind of strong advisors that will continue to help. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense, right? You got to make sure that your team knows that it's there so you can get the maximum value. And the advisors also feel like they're getting levered in the ways that they can be most useful. And they're not just like sitting around with a thing on a piece of paper that says they're an advisor, but they're actually being helpful. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Chris, well, this has been awesome. Any any other parting words on on this advisor stuff? 
I would say like, hey, if you're thinking about this and you still have questions, I'm happy to be a, you know, an asset. And so, you know, in the show notes, you can put my uh, contact information. It's Chris, K-R-I-S at Sendoso.com. So it does feel a little different than what most people probably do. And so there is like, hey, what about X, Y, Z? So if you do have one of those kind of edge case questions, I'm happy to answer that because I've probably gone through that question in my head or thought about it in the past. So happy to be an an asset uh, for others listening that want to get into the specifics on how to actually roll this out too. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you again for joining. This has been fantastic. Yeah, you bet, Matt. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And for those of you listening, if you like this episode, hit the subscribe button, check out the others. We have plenty of other amazing guests. Some people have been back on on a couple episodes that have been great. Chris, maybe we'll have you back to talk about some other stuff, maybe some executive selling. Again, thank you for listening. I know there are plenty of other things you can spend your time on, listening to, working on, watching, whatever it might be and you're spending here. So I super appreciate it. My email is mattadrift.com if you've got any feedback or questions or topics or guest ideas or whatever it might be. And I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks.